this morning. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind me, but you can turn in your Bible if you'd like to. Last Sunday, we honored 21 high school and college graduates, and I started a sermon talking to them about their future, focus on the future. And I didn't get finished, so uh, this week is part two of that sermon that we started last week. And uh, it looks like all of our graduates have, uh, have gone to the beach or something this weekend. And they took a lot of other people with them. But you know, who, you know who is here? Most important people on the face of this earth right here. You guys are here and I thank you for, for coming today. Joshua chapter 1 is where I want to read and preach from. Uh, you can follow along as I read God's word. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading and now the preaching of your word. I speak to our hearts and challenge us to find, follow, and finish your good, acceptable, and perfect will, not only in our individual lives, but also for the life of Kavanaugh Church. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Bible teaches us two very important truths about your future. And the first one is simply this. God's plan for your life is good. Right? God has a plan for you, your specific life. And that plan is a good plan. In fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So God affirms there. He has a plan for your life, and His plan for your life is an awesome plan. It is a great plan. It is a custom-fit plan just for you. And what is true for the individual is also true for the local church. God has a plan and a purpose for every church that preaches and teaches His truth. God has a plan and a future for Kavanaugh Church that is good. It's an awesome plan, just as He has a plan for your life. The second thing is just as important, and it's this. 
I get to choose my future. Hmm? Did you know that? God gives us a choice in all of this. In fact, you can miss the good plan that God has planned for you. It's not something that is automatic. It is not just going to happen whether you want it to or not. You have to choose. And I know dozens of people, countless numbers of people, who have told me that they messed up at this point in their life. They made the wrong choice. Instead of choosing God's good, acceptable, and perfect plan for their life, they chose some other plan. And it was a mistake. Now, some of you feel that way about the person you're married. And if you're still married to them, don't admit it right now. All right? But other people feel that way about their career, about job choices, even about ministry, that they felt like maybe God had called them to do something, and they chose to do something else rather than what God called them to do. So it's not automatic. God's got a great plan for your life, but you've got to choose God's plan. Now I want us to look at an event in the Old Testament that really illustrates these two facts. That God's plan and God's purpose for my life is good and that we get to choose whether to do it or not. We're going to look at the story of Joshua leading the children of Israel into the promised land after 40 years of wandering like nomads in the wilderness. Now the first thing we learned was last week, and I only had one point to my sermon last week, and it was this. If you're going to follow God's plan for your future, you have to develop a plan. Okay, you got to make a plan. you got to not only make the plan, but you got to live out that plan. Is that biblical? Yes, it is. God said it's foolish not to plan out your life. It's foolish just to go through life without having any kind of plan. You need to plan for your future. What a horrible thing. Listen to me. What a horrible thing to come to the end of your life or at any juncture in your life and turn around and look over your shoulder and ask, What have I done with my life? And you have nothing to show for your life. Here's what I know and what the Bible teaches. We will either drift through life or we will develop a plan and live life to its fullest. You don't want to drift through life and have to turn around and say, I really wasted my life. It's nothing to be proud of. So develop a plan. Now, last week I spent a lot of time talking about this. 3% of America's population, only 3% of America's population develop a life plan and actually write it down. And that 3%, however, is the highly successful people in our world today. They not only have a life plan, they're looking at their life plan and every day they are taking steps to fulfill whatever it is that they feel called to do. And if you're going to be successful as a believer, as a follower of Christ, you have to develop a plan. Same thing is true for our church. We've got to have a plan. Do we? Yes, it involves you. I'll talk more about that later, all right? So develop a plan. I'm not going to say anything else about it. Get last week's tape if you don't remember it, all right? Number two, I have to build my life completely on God's Word. If I'm going to have a successful future, my life has to be built on the Word of God. And I'm just not talking about the foundation. I'm talking about the whole structure. Okay? The roof, the door, the restroom, the kitchen, everything else of your life has to be built completely in, around, through, and with the Word of God. In other words, I must become a man of God's Word. And so must you, a man or a woman of God's Word. 
This is the second promise of success. God said, if you're going to be successful in the future that I have planned for you, you have got to get into my word. Notice what he said in verses 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, I don't know about you, but this is just amazing to me. God said, the Scripture, the Word of God, is the key to your success in life. It's right here. God's will is found in God's Word. You want to know God's will for your life? For next year, the next ten years, for the rest of your life? It's in God's Word. God's will is found in God's Word. And the more your life is filled with Scripture, the more your life will be successful the way God intended it to be successful. Notice all the ways you input the Word of God into your life. First of all, he says, be careful to obey it. Okay? Don't just read it, but obey it. Then he says, meditate on it. That, that means that you think seriously about the Word of God. You read a passage, then you go through the day revolving it in your mind and thinking of how it applies to you. He says, meditate on it day and night. And then he says, be careful to do it. And again, I think this is where so many of us fall short. We know the Word of God. We know what it says, but we don't actually flesh it out. We don't live it. We aren't the active, living believer that God has called us to be in His Word. So we do it. We flesh it out. When I'm around Christians, I like to look at their Bibles they're carrying. Because the Bible speaks volumes. Even when it's not open, it speaks volumes. And I remember when I was a little kid, my preacher used to always say, say that if you find a Bible that's falling apart, usually the person who owns it isn't. Do you get that? If your Bible's falling apart, it means that you're not falling apart. Now, I used to go preach revivals all the time when I was young in, in ministry, and, and uh, people wanted to hear me preach. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear me except you, and I can't figure that one out. But I don't preach nearly as many revivals, but I used to. Preached a bunch of them. I'd stay in people's homes, and, and I didn't dig around in their cabinets and in their drawers, but I looked for their Bibles. And when they weren't looking, I opened their Bibles up. Because I wanted to know the people I was staying with, all right? Was their Bible marked up? Was it used? Was it falling apart? Because I know if a Bible is falling apart, the person who owns it is not falling apart. So you read it, you obey it, you do it. And then he says this, don't turn from the right hand or the left so that you'll be successful. Now, what does he mean by that? I really think what he's saying is don't get sidetracked. Just do what the Bible says. You obey the Word of God. Don't do what your unsaved friends tell you to do. Don't do what the popular thing is to do. Don't just do what the world is doing. You do what the Bible says to do. And then God says, if you obey my word and flesh it out and obey the word of truth, I will make you successful. I'll bless you. Great verse is found in Psalms 30, verse 10. Those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. <laughs> that's a killer promise, man. 
Those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. Jesus said it like this. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of God's righteousness and all these things, that is all the things of the world, will be added unto you. So stop seeking everything else. Make it your goal for the rest of your life to seek the Lord. And the Lord says, when you do that, I'll bless your life. You put me first in your life, you'll be successful. Psalms 14.2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand. That's pretty amazing. God's looking down from heaven on us to see if any of us understand. That means, do any of these people really understand what life is all about? And if any are seeking the Lord. So again, God is looking down on earth and he says, I'm I'm looking for somebody who's really seeking me out. Is there anybody down there who really understands what life is all about? Is there anyone who really understands that I have a destiny for their life? And is there anybody who is spending their entire life seeking after me? The Bible says God's doing that right now. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those people that he finds. I intend to be a person that when God looks down and says, Hey, hey, look at that Harmon guy. Oh, I know he's a knucklehead. But man, he is really trying to seek me out. I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of person that when you wake up in the morning, Satan goes, crud. That guy's up again. I hate it when they're up because they do me damage all day long. I want to be that kind of person. Don't you? Well, in order to be that kind of person, you've got to have a plan. Okay? And then the second thing that God tells Joshua is, you build your life completely around and on the Word of God. Not just go to more Bible studies. Okay? Now go to Bible studies, study the Bible, but everything I do is to be based on the Word of God. And he says that when you do that, when your life is consumed with the Word of God, you will be successful. It's that simple. Number three, to possess my future, I must courageously step out in faith. It's interesting that three times in this chapter, Joshua chapter 1, and remember what's happening here. The children of Israel are about to go into the promised land. They're about to cross the Jordan River. Three times God said this same phrase, verse 6, 7, and 9. He said, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why in the world did, did God have to repeat this three times? For Joshua, as he's getting ready to possess his future. Why did he need to be told three times to be strong and courageous? Well, as I thought about it, there's got to be a couple of reasons. First off, because of who Joshua was following. He needed to be told, be strong and courageous. How would you like to follow Moses? You're the next CEO of Israel Incorporated. After Moses... What huge shoes he had to fill. And I'm just imagining he's a little intimidated. I mean, Moses, Moses talked to God. 
And everybody that was an Israelite knew that God and Moses were like this. You mess with Moses, you're messing with God. Pretty intimidating. But here's what God said to Joshua. Joshua, Moses is dead. But I'm not. That's pretty cool right there, isn't it? Moses may be dead, but I'm not dead. I'm the same God who did all the miracles through Moses, and I can do them through you if you will courageously step out in faith. So be strong and courageous. No, you're not Moses. You're Joshua. I made you to be Joshua. Moses is dead, but you're alive, and so am I. So let's get it on, man. Let's go. You know, every time I read that, I think of churches. It's, it's, it's tough when you follow a legend, you know. And in my ministry, I've had to do it a couple of times. And I'm telling you, it's, it's hard because sometimes people follow men instead of following God. You know? And no matter, no matter how, how good you are, you're not as good as they were. But you know what? Here's the flip side of that. I truly thank God for every pastor this church has ever had. I do. I thank God for every man of God that has been here at Kavanaugh Church. We've had some great leaders, Brother Raymond Chronister, Brother Wade T. Jernigan, Brother Carl Cheshire, who led this church for 28 years. And here's what I know. We would not be where we are today, enjoying all the blessings that we have as a church, had it not been for those great men of faith. So I appreciate them. But here's what I also know. They're not here anymore. Can I just add to that? We've not only had some great pastors, we've had some great leaders in this church. I told Angie the other day, I said, boy, Angie, I miss Bob Butler. I mean, we have some awesome leaders who have stepped in the gap, but I miss Bob Butler. Bob was a great man of faith. Bob was a man outside of his generation. When those in his generation were saying, it can't be done, we just need to sit back, Bob was taking that step of faith. He said, we can do it. I, I miss the great leaders that we've had in this church, but God has called them on. You know what? It's time for new leaders to step up to the plate. They're dead, but God is not dead. God is here, and He's wanting to use people who will trust Him and follow Him. People who will take a step of faith. I think the other reason He tells them to take this step of faith and be strong and courageous is this. You're always going to have to fight for your future. I don't care who you are. Life is not a cakewalk. In fact, the life that God has planned for you includes two things battles, and blessings. Your life is full of them. You're going to have both of them. Over the next year, five years, ten years, the rest of your life, you're going to have battles and blessings. Battles and blessings. Why? Well, it's just the way life is, man. Beyond that, God is preparing you for the greatest blessing of all. Eternity. But in order for you to reach eternity, there are battles you must fight and faith you must keep. So you're always going to have to fight for your future. Let me give you a little background here. Joshua knows the land that Israel is about to enter, the, the land of Canaan, the promised land. How does he know it? Because he's already been there. 
He's already spied the land out 40 years before this. He knows there are seven nations living in the promised land. Every single one of them is larger than Israel. Every single one of them is stronger than Israel. Every single one of these nations already has a trained fighting army. And Israel has no army at all. Would that scare you? Joshua knows that the moment he crosses the Jordan River into Canaan, it is going to be considered an act of war by all of these other seven nations living there. Seven larger, bigger, better nations. It is going to be considered an act of war on their part. And he knows that he's going to spend the rest of his life fighting battles. Wow. Battles and blessings. Battles and blessings. That's the way it is. That's the way life is. Just being real with you, okay? In, in, order to be, in order to be one of these great Christians who can take a blow from the world and it just deflect off of them, okay? You want to be that way? You, you, want, you, want, you want to be a Christian like my friend Jeff Sloan? who lost his home in the tornado and more. His house was the one that the news kept showing was on fire. Remember that house they kept showing? It had been leveled, but now it was on fire. That's my buddy Jeff Sloan. He worked at Hillsdale. He recently he took a pastorate in Bixby, Oklahoma. He closed on a house in Bixby, and 30 minutes after he closed on the house, the tornado came through more, destroyed his home, everything he had, caught on fire. They interviewed him on TV, Bixby TV. It was amazing. Just such a great guy, deep Christian man. He said, hey, things are okay. It's no big deal. You know, God's just building character in our life. Yeah. It's okay. Wouldn't you like to be a Christian like that? That when Satan throws his fiery darts, it just kind of pew, pew. It just kind of peels off because you're this great person of faith. That doesn't happen automatically. You've got to face a whole lot of little battles and be victorious so that when the big battle comes, you're still victorious. You with me? You've got to fight the battles. It fortifies your faith. And, and the way it's been in my life, you know, I've, I've faced all kinds of battles, but they, they, don't, they don't get easier. You would think as you get older, it'd get easier. It doesn't. They just become bigger and more complicated and more difficult to face. And it's scary. You just keep facing them. It's that way with the church. Same, same thing that is true for you as an individual is true for us as a church. Because this is the living body of Christ. We're a living organism of the Lord Jesus Christ. We face battles. It's scary. I told the first service that, uh, I, you know, everything works for good to those who love the Lord, and some good things have happened recently for me. I, I got a phone call from a good buddy of mine in Tulsa, and, and uh, somehow or another he had got connected with this large church in North Oklahoma City, almost in Edmond. It's called The Crossings. Uh, the Crossings for years was just a little small church, around 150 people, and and all of a sudden, years ago, God blessed their church because they, they planned for it, okay? And they wanted to be used by God. Today, the Crossings is one of the biggest churches in the world. They run 6,000 every weekend. 
Marty, the pastor, preaches five times every Sunday morning. He says, it's an amazing church. But here's the cool thing about crossings. They, they, they have never forgotten where they came from, and they are willing to help other churches along the way just as other churches help them along the way. And so my buddy Randy got connected with the uh, staff there at Crossings, and, and they said, hey, we want to not only help your church to grow, we want to help some of your friends' churches to grow. So why don't you get together some of your buddies and start meeting with us, and our staff will we'll give you everything we have. We'll help you every way we can to see your church successful because we want to see your ministry succeed just like other churches help us succeed. So you following me? So I'm in this group of six other pastors, and once a month, I'm, I'm, I'm heading, trekking over to uh, North Oklahoma City to the crossings. And, and I mean, it's, it is phenomenal. It's, it is amazing. First time I was there, though, I, I asked him a question. I said, y'all run 6,000. My church runs 600. Huge difference between 6,000 and 600. Do you remember what it was like to run 600? Because if you don't remember what it was like and can't help me to get to a thousand, I'm wasting my time and your time. <laughs> they said, oh, we remember. We not only remember, we've documented it. We remember, we can help you. I was there just a few days ago, a week or so ago. And uh, the, they brought the whole top echelon of their staff in, including their senior pastor, Marty. For two hours, we just sat around this table, and he shared with us the battles that he has faced and fought and their church has faced and fought to keep growing. It's a battle, man. I mean, it's a battle, you know? And, and every time you get to a new plateau, you've got to battle through to get to that next plateau. And he was telling all these war stories of things that had happened not only to him personally, but to his church and the transitions that they went through just to keep growing. And it was exciting, but let me it was also scary. I'm just real transparent with you, okay? I'm telling you the truth here. I sat there in that room, sitting right across from Pastor Marty, listening to his stories about those battles, and I was asking myself the same questions. Do I want to face those battles? Do I want to go through that? I'm getting old. I'm 51 years old. All these other pastors that are with me here, they're younger than me. I'm one of the oldest guys in the room. I'm thinking, do I really want to face all of that? Do I really want to go through all of that? Do I want to get out of my comfort zone? Do I want to face that kind of stuff just so our church can keep growing? And I said that out loud. I said that. Young guy sitting down from me, I've known him for years. I knew, I knew this kid, knew this young man when he was a little bitty boy because his dad is one of my friends who's a pastor. His name is Ryan Giles, and Ryan looked at me, and he kind of grinned. He said, oh, yeah, you do, man. <laughs> but it's still scary. And let me tell you, it's that way for this church. God has led us so many times right up to this brink of big-time decision are we going to make the decision to, to step out in faith, to be strong and courageous, to be bold, to make the next move? Or are we just going to plant right where we are and be satisfied with what we become? Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? And we're at one of those places right now. I'm just talking to you, but I'm talking to you from my heart. The biggest problem with Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church is that you have become very content 
with what we have become. This is a great church. I mean, it is. All my buddies would love to pastor this church. We're not a huge church, but we're a pretty good-sized church. We have an awesome facility. We've got all kinds of ministry going on. We have a superb staff. You give enough money through your tithe giving every week to support the ministries of this church. There's great music in this church, great ministry, great things going on. And you know what? We're happy, aren't we? I take a poll of everybody in this church. Are you happy with your? Oh, yeah, I'm happy. You happy with it? Oh, I'm happy with it. You have, I'm happy. I'm happy. That's both a blessing and a curse. Because you know what? We can get too happy. Well, why shake things up, preacher? Why do we need a new sanctuary? Why do we need more parking? Why, why do I need to move out of my people? Why, why, why do I have to give? Why do I have to do? I'm happy. I can take you to the whole of great churches across our world today who have come to this very brink and they've said no. Because it's a fearful thing. It's scary to take that step of faith it is scary to step out in faith. You're going to have battles and blessings in your life. You're going to face them. I think there are three reasons why you need to be bold going after the future that God has for your life. Three reasons you need to take that step of faith. Three reasons we need to take that step of faith as Kavanaugh Church. First of all, it's because God is with us. God said, I will be with you. Verse 5, no one will be able to defeat you all of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you or abandon you. I don't know what's going to happen next year or in five years or ten years. But this I do know, God is with me. God is with me. I don't know what you're going to have to go through. But I know that God is with you. So be bold. Second reason to be bold is because God keeps his promises. He helps me to be bold. Gives me confidence. Verse 6, be determined and confident. For you will lead these people to possess the land I promised to the previous generation. That was his promise. I made this promise to your fathers and mothers. But it's good for you. You know, here at Kavanaugh Church, we've already seen one and a half generations of people come to Christ. In the Bible, a generation is between 30 and 40 years. We now have people in leadership who were born in this church. They weren't born when this church started. They were born in this, they went through our nursery. They went through little Sunday school classes. They went through the teen program back then. And you know what? Now they're leaders in our church today. Their parents have deceased, but they're still here leading the way. The first generation of Israelites all died in the desert, but now the second generation is the generation that is going to go into the promised land. He said, I promised this to the previous generation, and I am good on my promises. Can I just remind you of something? There is a generation of people that's already gone that believed in the work of Kavanaugh Church. They believed in making the sacrifices. They believed in giving their time. They believed in committing their resources. Because they knew they would pass the baton to another generation. Here in a little bit, our little kids are going to come in and sing for our offering. Kids choir. If I'll ever shut up, they're going to get a chance to come in here. 
When they come in here and sing, I want you to look at them. We're doing what we're doing as a church for them. And not just for them, but for their kids when they grow up. Don't get fat and lazy. Don't just sit on your laurels and think this is all about you because it's not. It's about other generations. God said, I'm going to bless Kavanaugh Church. He said that to a generation of people one generation ago. But we get to claim it and we get to pass it on. Third reason we're bold and we step out in faith is because God told us to do it. God has told us to go after our future. God has told you to possess your future that he has for you. Verse 9, he says, Joshua, have I not commanded you to do this? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God said, I'm going to be with you. I keep my promises. And I've commanded you to go after your destiny. God says, this was my idea in the first place. <laughs> Go for it. I want you to notice two words in verse 9. The word afraid and the word discouraged. Because you'll need to be aware that those are the two enemies that are going to keep you from fulfilling the future God has for you. They are two things that will cause you to miss your future. Fear and discouragement. Why? Because fear keeps you from starting. And discouragement keeps you from finishing. It's true in life. Fear keeps me from starting the path that God has called me to go down. And discouragement keeps me from finishing and possessing my future. Now, when all of this was happening, it was springtime in Israel. In springtime, the Jordan River floods. It becomes this mighty, rushing river. And now, Joshua has to move over a million people across this rushing river. Maybe they're expecting God to part the Jordan River just like he parted the Red Sea. But that's not what God's got in mind this time. He says, this is what I want you guys to do. At the Red Sea, you just stood there and waited till the sea parted, and then you walked through it on dry ground. This time, I want you to start walking before I part the waters. A little faith is involved. You know what Joshua does? He says, let's put the priest out front. Let's sacrifice those guys. And so all the pastors are out front. I, I can imagine these pastors walking into the water. It goes up to their ankle, then up to their shin, then up to their knee then their mid-thigh, then up to their waist, and they're saying, God, any time. <laughs> you know, Lord, any time you want to do this, we're, we're good with it. They had to get into the water first. They had to take a step of faith. And then somehow, miraculously, 17 miles upstream, God made the water stop, and they dried up. Here's the point of the story. The first step is the scariest. You don't have any assurance of what's going to happen. God just said, do it. And so you're stepping out on faith. You don't know how it's going to happen. You don't know who He's going to use. You just know God said, do it. First step's the scariest. So, time out and ask you a very personal question. What's your Jordan River? What's the big thing that you've got to cross? 
What is the big barrier, that big hurdle that you've got to get over in order to reach the destiny that God has for your future? The destiny that God has planned for you. What God wants for your life so that you can be successful. What He wants you to enjoy for the rest. What is your Jordan River in your life? It's a pretty good question. I can say it this way. What, what, is, it, what is it that is going to cause you to take a step of faith? What's keeping you out in the desert? It's something to keep in mind. God said, I want this for you. You've been afraid to do it. But I'm going to help you when you take the step of faith. Hmm. So are you ready to take that step of faith? Are we as a church? I'm going to read some names to you. See if you recognize any of these people in the Bible. Saphat. Poltai, Gadiel, Emil. You know any of those guys? How about Sether, Nabai, Guel, Egal. I kind of like Egal. If Angie had have another son, I'd call him Egal. How about Gadai? Shamua. What about Joshua? Know that one? What about Caleb? These are 12 names of 12 spies that were sent in to look at the land. Ten of these guys came back with a negative report, a bad report, and said, we can't do it. Can't be done. There are giants over there. Don't do it. You know what? Nobody remembers the guys who said it can't be done, do we? we? We don't know any of those names. Only Joshua and Caleb came back and said, yeah, there are giants in the land, but you know what? God has given us this land. God is with us. He told us to do it. We can do it. We only remember the guys who trust God. We can do it. In fact, they were the only two who were actually allowed to go into the promised land from that whole generation of people. You know what? For our future, for Kavanaugh Church, we're going to have to have some Caleb's and Joshua's. Not men like Egal and Patal and Emil and Sether and Nabi who said we can't. I don't need any of those guys. We don't need any of those guys. Don't waste your breath telling me, but preacher, we're in a recession. I know we're in a recession. Don't tell me the reasons we can't do it. It takes too much time. It's going to cost too much money. It's going to take too much energy. We can't do it. Who do we think we are? Well, it's, it's not who do we think we are. It's who do we think God is. What matters. In our futures, we need Caleb's. We need Joshua's. Not only for our church. Look, can I tell you something? America needs some Caleb's and Joshua's. I'll even get more specific. 
There are some families who need some Caleb's and Joshua's. You men need to step up to the plate. Dig your heels in and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And yes, our church needs some Caleb's and Joshua's. I want to, I'm going to give a word to, to, to some of our older members here today. I'm talking about people my age and older. God wants to use you in this next decade. If, if we're ever going to reach a new generation of Kavanaugh's, we've already reached an entire generation, but if we're going to reach a new generation, it's going to take every one of us, especially you older church members. I know, I know, you're tempted to think, uh, preacher, I've been through all this stuff before, I've done it all, I've led in it all, I've been around, I've done my time, I've given my money, but I'm comfortable now. I don't want to change anything. I want to sit back, I've passed my prime. I'm going to set this one out, preach. I want to remind you that when God gave this word to Joshua, he was 80 years old. 80 years old. And at 80 years of age, God called him to his greatest work. Everything before that, God had just been getting him ready. Isn't that great? I say this all the time to you people. I don't know if you hear me or not. But for those of you who have retired, God has given you more time and more resources than you've ever had before. Don't waste it. Let's make some eternal investments. God has got a great future for your life. God's plan for your life is awesome. It really is. You've got to find it. You've got to choose it. You've got to make it your desire to follow. So make the plan. Give your plan to God. Saturate your life in the Word of God. And then step out and do it. And the same thing is true for Kavanaugh Church. God, God has got something great for us. Okay? The, the, I think the hardest problem for us is just to realize that, you know what? We can be a better church, and we can do greater things for Christ. And if we just sit here and don't take this chance, this opportunity that God is giving us, we are going to start the process of spiritual death as a church. So let's get burdened. There's a world around us that's dying and going to hell. And if we don't tell them, who's going to tell them? If we don't make room for them, who's going to? God's called us to do it. That's a great responsibility and it's a big battle. But let me tell you, the blessings are awesome. So let's do it together. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would speak to hearts as only you can. Lord, for the person who needs to come today and receive you as Savior of their life, I pray that they would do so. Lord, for, for those of us that you've been speaking to, maybe there's a young person here or a middle-aged adult or even a prime-timer who's really been struggling with, with what it is you want them to do with their life. Lord, may they surrender their all to you today. 
May they come and present their bodies as living sacrifices and say, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. And dear Lord, I pray, I pray that you would burden the hearts of our people to come and commit the future of this church to you. Lord, would would the membership of Kavanaugh Church come today and really pray for our board, our leaders? Would, Would some people come today and just pray for their pastor? That God would give us wisdom and direction and make the path clear. Dear Lord, may we commit our all to you today. Leave nothing behind in the desert. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand? And as you stand, would you come and pray?